Can I ask you an honest question? Yeah. Did you know that this is Easter week? <laughs> like, I kind of knew. Right, right. Did it catch you by surprise? Yes. I mean, part of it too, John, full disclosure is like, we've been on some serious missions right. in the last month, and normally Lent defines Easter, right? So yep. Fat Tuesday into Ash Wednesday. Right. At least in our family culture and our community, that kind of sets Easter. But this year, Easter's really early on the calendar, and we've been on some major battlefronts. And so it caught me by surprise as much as the crocuses in our neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) That's the honest truth. Okay, Fred. So (laughs) welcome to the Ransom Heart Podcast with John Eldridge and Morgan Snyder. We're just being forthright with you that it kind of caught us off guard this year. And there's actually, I think, maybe something a little delightful in the idea that it comes so early. Easter comes so early this year. It's like at the end of March, not, you know, April usually means Easter. And Maybe God knew mm. we needed a little Easter sooner than normal. Mm. So we thought we'd share some thoughts and reflections as we prepare our hearts for Easter week and into Easter weekend. Let me start with a passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So let me just repeat that. So we're kind of settling into it, letting it get our attention. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So whatever else Easter is about, and it's obviously about staggering things, I mean, epic-changing things, but it has something to do with a living hope, that he has given us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And as you begin to kind of just think about hope, a living hope, whatever this gift of Easter could be to us this year, where do your thoughts go with that? Hmm. You think most people are living with hope? You know, John, I think I don't have to look too far beyond my own life to see the battle. I would call it a civil war between hopelessness and hope, right? Mm. I feel Mm. the battle against dread. Even this year, just this whispering of, why don't you quit? (laughs) (laughs) And and, And I don't even know what the whispering is about. I mean, quit my job, quit my marriage, quit. But it's just the insidious, just lay it down, give it up, right? And I find I'm baited with some agreement to just lose hope and therefore lose heart, right? Where hope is intended to be this eager anticipation, this eager expectation that good things are coming. Good things are right? coming. Good things are coming. Like you mm. said, Sherry and I have found ourselves yet again in this remarkable now ancient book, The Journey of Desire, that this guy wrote some time ago. I heard about that book. Yeah. We return to it. We seem like at the end of winter that finds its way to us. 
And in it, I just love when you quote George MacDonald where you say, a great goodness is coming, coming to thee. Yes. And so the question, do I live with hope? I have to pause and ask, is that true? Do I live in the dailies, moment by moment belief that a great goodness is coming, coming to thee? Mm. Friends, what we're trying to do is you can't just jump to Easter. You can't just jump to, you know, oh, yeah, it's Easter week. Okay, let's, you know, let's do the Easter thing. Or it will be a religious holiday. Mm. I think that in order to get our hearts there and drink from and benefit from and kind of once again participate and receive it, I think we do have to begin with hope. And we have to begin with where our hearts currently are with hope, right? So as we're chatting, just tune in. Just pay attention. Like, where is hope these days in your experience? I'm sure where, Morgs, like you, that the battle at least, and it's a battle over hope. It's not like... It's not like either you have it or you mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's not this all or nothing thing. Right. You know, it's not like, well, you're hopeful and I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's living, right? Yeah. It's a fight for it. Yes. It is a fight for it. And evil loves to slay hope. Yes. Through disappointment, discouragement. You know, Stacy's been in this five month battle now with her leg, an injury she sustained back in the fall, and it's just taken a long time to heal. I mean, talk about the battle with hope. It's those things. It's Mm -hmm. those things that don't go, aren't going, haven't gone, you know, the way we wanted to or as quickly as we wanted to or change isn't coming. And so it's just good to pause and go, wow. But I think if we're honest, I think it actually even goes a little deeper If we'll be really frank with ourselves, I think we actually sabotage hope. Mm. I think we kill it because it sets us up. We feel like I won't be fooled again, Mm. right? The old Who song. I'm not going to be fooled again. Like I think we sabotage hope because it's so vulnerable and it puts us in such a place of needing God Mm. to come through that it's easier if we're honest. It's easier to sabotage hope and just live for relief, right? Just get me to my favorite TV show tonight. Just get me to that second beer. Get me to that bag of cookies. Just, you know, just get me some relief. Mm -hmm. But that's not hope. Yes. Right? That's not eager expectation of good things are coming. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's so true, John, as you're saying that. I think of Hebrews where Paul says that hope is intended to be this unbreakable spiritual lifeline. Well, the implication is we're going to have a lifeline to something. Mm -hmm. And I think as Mm -hmm. I'm listening to you, I go, what is it that Mm -hmm. I have made my Mm -hmm. lifeline? And the truth is when I sabotage it, I'm far more yoked to cynicism Mm -hmm. or mediocrity, just settling for a smaller story than I am to hope. And so as you say that, I think where I go in my heart is real practical. You know, we're a culture of some honest disclosure. Like, where do you feel you are sabotaging? Where do you feel that you are tempted to not choose hope as the anchor of your soul? 
Well, I think I'm pretty good with the end game. I think I've got that sorted out. Like, Meaning? The kingdom is coming. Yes. I think I'm pretty anchored in that. Yes. It's more in the day-to-day and mm. the living out of life, not living with an expectation that good is coming. Kind of hunker down. Yes. Hunker down. Shields up. Yes. You know, get through, conquer the things in front of me. Mm. Solve this problem. Solve that crisis. Push through. Mm-hmm. You know, I think is... Yeah, just guardedness. I can't, like, as we're pushing into this, I am so embarrassed now that I'm realizing my level of guardedness. We have some wonderful things coming this year. Our son Luke is getting married hmm. in June. What a fabulous thing. But I'm so aware of my guardedness of like, eh, you know, maybe. I don't mean maybe he's getting married, but maybe it'll be good. You know, because you've got family and now you've got in-laws and you've got everybody mm. gets weird around weddings. Mm. And and so just a guardedness. I'm so embarrassed to admit it. There's rather than this eager expectation of, God, whatever else may be true about all that, you still have good things coming for us. Yes. It's not denial. It's not denial. I'm not trying to live with a Pollyannish thing that says, you know, that wedding or summer together or whatever, it's just going to be wonderful. Yes. You know, there's going to be some things to navigate. You know, the fact is there are in-laws. The fact is there are expectations. People do get weird around weddings. But nonetheless, do I open my heart to say, but God, you have good things anyway. Yes. Whatever else may be true about the broken nature of the world, you have good things that you're bringing to me. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's exposing that guardedness in me. Yeah. John, what would you say is the risk as you watch your heart and realize the temptation, as you said, go to conquer, and then even specifically with Luke's wedding, just to not open yourself up because of all the practical realities? What is the risk in choosing to connect yourself, to be open to the vine of this spiritual lifeline of hope. I have to believe that God will come through. Mm. I'm risking everything on God. Wow. Versus, I think I'll diminish my hopes to the levels to which I can probably realize them. Mm. Right? Wow. This is so embarrassing. It's good. I mean, I'm just like, I will diminish my hopes to the size that I can probably take care of them. Right? Mm. And just the, just the utter, yeah. So, gang, here's the thing. This isn't a podcast about hopelessness. We're trying to get to hope. And here's how I think Easter works for us. I think we start with, where are you with hope right now, our dear listeners? And then let's take a look at what Easter is and does mm-hmm. and then work backwards into our current situation. In other words, I think we have to start as believers, we have to start with our A game because what's happened – Morgz, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Like what's happened in the church is that we have actually had to set aside – we kind of put over onto one side Christianity's great treasure, our A game, the big offer. And having set that aside, we try and offer the world – but. We have really great children's programs and look at our child care 
and look at our involvement in the city and we're doing all these things for social justice and and look at the way like we have a marriage conference every year at our church you know we can help you with this we can help you with that we mm-hmm. we start actually trying to compete with the world on no 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 look at all the cool things we have to offer mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. look what we do for single moms look what we do for pregnant teens all of that's really good by the way and we support a bunch of that but the fact is that's actually not our A game. Like the A game of Christianity is the resurrection from the dead. Hmm. It just is. I mean can we just name that? Like because we don't live in a culture that is honest about death. Like we push death away. You know, death doesn't take place very often in our homes anymore. You know, grandma and grandpa are often in a care facility mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, Uncle Ed, who's very sick, is in the hospital. And death is very, very sanitized in our world. But if you live in a world, I mean, I was thinking about like the bubonic plague. Mm. You know, it killed a third of Europe, one third of the population. Like, and when you're in a situation where death is real and you're wondering what happens, what happens? Like Christianity steps in with its A game and goes, I have some incredible news for you. You can live forever. Like you actually don't die. Your physical body may give up functioning, but you as a human being go on forever. And that's the A game. That's the big promise. And again, it's because we live in a culture that's, I know, chaotic in many ways, but in many ways still doing pretty good. I mean, most of us know where dinner is going to come from tonight. Most of us know, you know, what we're going to do next summer. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. we actually have a lot of control over disease and education and opportunity compared to the history of the human race. I mean, this moment People are most upset when their cell phones don't work. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're upset that your technology isn't working, like that is a first world problem. <laughs> like, that is, like you're very, very removed from the reality of the human race, you know, for thousands of years. And so I got an email last night from a very dear brother. And it was one of those quick things where I just shot him off an email and said, hey, how you doing? You've been on my heart. Mm-hmm. And he wrote back and he's like, well, uh, it's been a long battle for my wife. She's not well. She's not well psychologically and she's had a lot of anxiety and hospitalization and different things and she's not getting better and his kids are not walking with Christ and that's a heartbreak for him and there's just been a lot of sorrow and here's what he said. He said, I am listening to the series Hoping in the Coming Kingdom every two weeks. Mm. He said, because that's where my heart has to go. Like – In other words, he's going to the A game. He's going to the great promise. You have to start there. Gang, like Easter is about something phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Death has been completely conquered. You will not perish. You will live forever in the kingdom of God. And all of the goodness and all of the beauty and all the things that you long for, all of that's coming. All of that's yours. Like we have to start there. The Hebrews passage you were saying, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Yes. Firm and secure. It enters in behind the veil where Jesus has gone before us. 
that Hebrews passage, the hope that is the anchor for the soul is not that you're going to get a better job next year. Yep. It's not that this is going to be a really super summer vacation. It's not that Luke's wedding's going to be mm-hmm. four star. It's not, you know, it, that isn't, gang. Like, let's just be careful with our hearts here. The anchor of the soul is Easter. And the anchor of the soul is that death is totally and completely defeated. Mm. And that the kingdom of God is and will completely prevail. It will completely prevail. And Jesus calls it the restoration of all things. He says, at the restoration of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, and then he just goes on to name the losses that you've suffered and that you've lost homes or families or fields, you know, kind of meaning careers or, you know, your finances. You know, he just names all the losses. He says, oh, you'll receive a hundred times that. Mm. And the gift of a life that can never, ever be taken away from you. And so we start there. We start with Easter. We start with, wait a second, no matter what happens to you in this current life, you are going to be completely restored and every dream you have ever had will come true in its fullest form, that everything you've lost, you will receive back a hundred times as much. Like, this is the gospel that changed the world. Mm. This is what blew the world away. This is our A game. It's not that we have a really great youth program or that we are serving the poor or interceding for justice. Like, those things are the fruit of it, but the A game is oh my gosh, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And we have been born again to a living hope that we will too. React to that. Where are you going with that? Mm. Well, first of all, I can even feel hope rising in me as you're sharing, John. Man, it's just right on to know we start with the A game. We start with this resurrection life that we are, as Dallas says, these unceasing spiritual beings that have a place for eternity in God's story. And then as you're sharing in light of that, in the glow of the kingdom in that, I think where I go to the promise that that kingdom is being made available here and now to us, Mm -hmm. not in full, right, but in partial. And I think back to risk where I go is, well, how much? How much is available now? Because as disciples as apprentices Mm -hmm. of this way, Mm -hmm. God is inviting us to partner and to participate with him Mm -hmm. so that it's formed in us. Mm -hmm. And I think the answer is more than I've believed is available, Mm -hmm. right? Sherry has this prayer that she prays often when we're just kind of contending for our marriage. And she says, Father, I ask for the full portion of what's available here and now on earth as it is in heaven for our marriage. And John, every time she prays that, and now I'm slowly beginning to agree with it and pray with it, I mm-hmm. realize, well, I've settled for less. I've settled for yeah. less. We got yes. a pretty good marriage, and we yeah. have come through some crap. Yeah. And 
it's kind of better than most and I'm content. And yeah. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. When the disciples turned to Jesus and saw the life you're describing, a person who was anchored in eternity that understood he came from the Father. Scripture yes. says he was united with the Father and he was mm-hmm. returning to yes. the Father. Yeah. And so he was free to love heroically, free from outcomes. They turned to him and they said, we want this life. We want this life. And the words in the scriptures are teach us how to pray. Mm. But really, it's an observation of he lived with a heart anchored and rooted in the kingdom mm-hmm. to come. And so, you know, it begins with Father, Father. You know, reveal who you are. Mm. Reveal who you are. Set the world right. And so as you are sharing, John, about the A-game, my heart is going to this wondering and this hope of how much more is available of the kingdom of God here and now than I have opened myself up to. How much more? Yeah, gang, this is the great surprise, okay? And you can't bypass this process. Like, the anchor of the soul is the resurrection. The anchor of the soul is the coming kingdom. Now, having put your heart there, then you can back into your current existence and say, how much of that gets to play itself out now, right? Which is different Mm -hmm. than trying to find life as much as you possibly can now and the kingdom's kind of your backup plan, Yes, right? Which is how most people live. Most Christians live like that. Like, it doesn't work like that. Because mm-hmm. let me show you the paradox. So these are like some basic, basic truths of human life. The more you grasp at a better marriage, the less you'll have it. Mm. The more that your heart is settled in the love of God and that you're good, your spouse is good, he's got you, the freer you actually are to love and not self-protect – to give and not try and get, and then guess what? Your marriage actually gets better. Hmm. It's this beautiful paradox. It's not a grabbing or a clinging yes. or an arranging, yes. right? Jeremiah calls it broken cisterns. You know, he says the horror is that people abandon the fountain of living water, which is God, and they go and dig cisterns for themselves. So I'm not talking about digging cisterns. The, the beautiful paradox is, for example, Luke's wedding, like – If my heart is good and settled in the anchor of the soul, then I can enter into that experience of very free man and actually find a ton of joy in Mm. it. And all the weirdnesses of people and their their little stuff and all the little tweaky things people do, it just kind of rolls off. Like it's not a big deal. And you actually end up being the most joyful person in the room. Yes. Right? Like that's the paradox of the kingdom. You anchor your heart in Easter and it backs into your current world and yes, lots of life, lots of redemption is available largely because you're not digging cisterns. Yes, yes. And the story you're telling, John, about Luke's wedding is what the wedding needs is hope. What the wedding needs is a manifestation of the kingdom. And so as you're describing that, I'm going, wow, as you unite yourself with God, then whatever circumstances – come to that story, you will bring the life of the kingdom and cause many to turn and go, whoa, what's that about? So, gang, hope isn't something that you have to generate. Like, oh, man, you caught me. I'm self-protective, big time. I'm guarded, you know, all that. 
let Easter, let the resurrection of Jesus have its full impact in your heart, hope is going to come. I mean, look at the life Jesus lives after his resurrection. It's actually, it's actually a very normal life. You know, on the Emmaus Road, he surprises the two disciples in that delightful story, which we won't retell here, but it's a very funny story. <laughs> and then the next thing that happens is he, quote, appears to the disciples in the upper room. And they don't believe it's him. They're just freaking out, you know, and even though they went to the empty tomb and even though they heard the report from the disciples who were on the Emmaus Road, it's just everything so real about these accounts. And Jesus appears in the room and he says, do you have anything to eat? And you're like, what? Like, come on. Like, be more spiritual. Like, be more, you know, glowy. Like, do the glowy stuff. Right. Transfigure or whatever it is right. you do once you're resurrected. I <laughs> <laughs> just float a little. <laughs> when you realize that, oh, my goodness, there is an indestructible life, which is ours mm. and which we are going to fully participate in. And then Paul assures us in Romans 8, and so is creation. You get all the world back to all your special places. All of that gets restored. You anchor your heart in that. That's Easter. And then you let Easter come back backwards into your current experience and you pray like Sherry. You pray like, well, look, you know, whatever the partial may be, I pray for the fullest portion. Yes. I open my heart up to more. I open my heart up to the possibility of God invading my current circumstances, right? I participate more deeply in his life, right? And then it does. Like it invades the now. Right. It's interactive. It's present tense. Yep. And it's available. Yep. It's available. As I mentioned earlier, Sherry and I so often towards the end of winter and with this hoping for spring, we find ourselves yet again in the pages of your book, Journey of Desire. And towards the close, you remind us that God is speaking to us more often than we imagine. And there are these treasures he's speaking that we must hide in our hearts for the dark hour if it might come. His words to us, as you quote Bigner, both recoverable and precious beyond telling. And John, you go on to share just a few words to anchor our souls in hope and the story of Easter. And there's one passage here that jumps off the page where you put in three words. You say, it is coming. It is coming. After those words, you offer a few thoughts. I thought I might pass that book to you and let you see them and remind Mm. us of them again today. Mm. It's like you just handed me some ancient manuscript. (laughs) It's like I recall this. Mm. I remember this being true. It is coming. Oh, how I forget this most of all. How easy it is to slip back into thinking that it's now or never, that if it's not here, it's not at all. The life I prize is coming. The very thing that I am aching for now, missing now, seeking now in other things is exactly what's coming to me. This is how I interpret the promises that seem to be coming through the good and beautiful gifts we have now. As you raise your glass of wine, 
toast to the banquet to come as you see anything beautiful you'd like to have. Say to yourself, in a little while, it shall be mine forever. As you make love, remember it is the rehearsal for the grand affair. You see, that way your heart will not be trapped there. I recall the end of MacDonald's novel, Fantasties. A great good is coming, is coming, is coming to thee. Morgs, pray for us. Mm -hmm. God, I confess that hope is a dangerous thing. And yet you are the author of hope. That you say in your word that hope comes from God and is the anchor for our soul. It's this unbreakable spiritual lifeline. And so, Father, we pray that your life would be our root structure. As the scripture says in Romans 15, that you would break through the earth and grow tree tall, that you would grow tall enough for everyone and everywhere to see and to take up hope. God, the God of green hope, that you would fill us up with joy, that you would fill us up with peace, and so that in our believing lives, we would be filled with a life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit. And on this day and in this life, that we would brim over with hope. Amen. Amen. Friends, you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John Eldridge and Morgan Snyder here during Easter week. And we're actually going to do a part two of this, kind of picking up with the theme of the life that is available to us in the current moment next week.